What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Here with the passing scene every Friday on WSBA. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Alex. How are you this morning? I am doing great, and and I have to confess, I have also yelled at my Alexa, uh, but oftentimes when I do it, I say, Alexa, tell Jeff Bezos to fix this. So I, right. I'm, I'm hoping that message gets back, because I know it's listening to everything I say. Yeah, and, and by heavens, shouldn't that be the case? I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you there, because I think that, uh, you know, Alexa is the bane of all that's happening right now, and I just, uh, I... I, I do find myself talking to it a lot, I, although I screamed out from the room the other night, Alexa, what time is it? It wouldn't tell me. So I, I guess I, I made it mad over something. Anyway, uh, good to have you in this morning. And uh, let's see. Let's start out. Lots of straw polls around here lately. I, I'm not much of a believer in straw polls, but uh, there are people who are having them. And CPAC had one last week down at National Harbor on the Potomac in Maryland next to Washington, D.C., and a fairly significant one if you are a Donald Trump fan, right? That's correct. They uh, they held their annual straw poll, and I think there are some major takeaways uh, from that. Trump got 62% of the vote. Uh, DeSantis got 20%. Nikki Haley got 3%, just to uh, just to name some, some top contenders out there. But, you know, I, I think you're right in, in placing the appropriate weight in some of these polls, because when you look at it, you can, you can make the argument that CPAC has really become a Trump-friendly event. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly evidenced by the fact that DeSantis, Pence, or Tim Scott did not attend. Right. So this was this was this was a this was a a, a, a pro uh, pro Trump uh, event. But there's there there are several other takeaways that I think are important to mention. Okay. And 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 it's and it's who emerges in these things. And and I think we all know that when you're looking at Donald Trump, he has a huge popularity gap in suburban women. And one of the potential front runners that uh, emerged from this event is Carrie Lake as a uh, as a potential vice presidential uh, nominee along with mm. along with uh, Trump. And and you know again you take a look at it and you say, hold on, she's she has some similarities to Pence in that one she's very loyal, she would not steal the spotlight from Trump, and she can help deliver a key swing state. So, you know, if he gets all of that and then fills a demographic void, obviously she has to be taken seriously. So, uh, you know, uh, again, from, from a betting standpoint, you know, if you, if you're in the Trump camp, I think you have to, uh, I think you have to be looking seriously at, uh, at a, at a woman along on the ticket, uh, with him, uh, if, if, if he ultimately prevails through the, through the, through the primary. Let me ask you this question. I see where Ron DeSantis has kind of privately said he's going to run, which is probably not the most well-kept secret in the world. But what what is it that, that keeps Donald Trump so popular from your particular vantage point? I'm, I'm really interested in this because, you know, everybody's got different opinions on Trump and so forth. But what is it that keeps him being the guy that, that you know, picks up 62 percent there? I saw in New Hampshire the other day he buried DeSantis by – or buried – it wasn't DeSantis. It was the uh, – 
uh, who's the former governor there, his son, uh, just buried him. Sununu, yeah. And, and so Trump continues to be very popular in certain places. What is it about him that keeps him popular from your particular vantage point, Alex? As much as anything, he was always willing to take on the fight. You know, we've, uh, yeah. we've experienced a lot of Republicans who, you know, they talk a good game, but when it comes to actually, you know, putting pen to paper and coming up with, with a reasonable piece of legislation, we never saw it. And, and you know, we, we, we and I'll say in the central Pennsylvania area, seem to have this sense that standards of living are on just this slow and steady decline. And, and it's, and it's sort of like, okay, who's going to come in and say, I'm going to fight for the little guy. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to speak to this person and, mm. and I'm not going to cater to, you know, how much money I can spend and, and what entitlements are popular or, or, you know, um, following some agenda of some other person. I'm going to stick to what I believe, even, even if you don't fully believe in what he says. Yeah. Um, you know where he stands on the issue, and, and I'm, I'm going to go with my convictions. And I think people really appreciate that. No, I think you've hit something on the head here, that, that here's a guy, in, in lieu of anybody else stepping in there to do it, which so far there has not been, uh, there, you have Donald Trump. And Donald Trump says, I'm going to wade into every single thing that comes along the line. I'm going to be brash and outspoken about it, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let you know where I'm at. But you were never unsure, for the most part, where he was at on things. Uh, you could agree, disagree with him, but you you weren't real unsure. But the fact that he'd wade into the fight, I think that's a really good answer. And I, I, I think that's probably where the allure still comes. That There's someone that wasn't afraid to get in and rough it up a little bit with the Democrats and, and even show them a new low in some, and in some areas in the fight where Republicans were heretofore not really interested in getting involved. Uh, so what else did you take away from the straw poll? Any other uh, takeaways that you think are kind of important this morning? I do think there are a few other important takeaways. One of them is, one, the more people in the field, the more likely Trump will secure the mm-hmm. nomination. That's a popular thing. And, and, and again, you can see this if, if, you, if you track CPAC over, over the last couple of years. Trump is actually gaining support year, year over year. Mm-hmm. So he has a solid base. And the, the last takeaway that I would say is, and this is, this is the fear for a lot of Republicans, and, and, and I'll say it with a, a big hypothetical, is that if Trump doesn't win the nomination and doesn't support the eventual Republican nominee, Republicans have a very, very difficult path to the White House. He just garners such a huge support, and without, without getting those people on board, uh, it's very, very difficult to get the votes uh, needed to uh, to win the executive branch. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, and we'll see where, you know, there's a lot of time between now and next year and where all that happens. But again, if DeSantis gets into who had a very good election uh, cycle this past one in Florida, in fact, is the only really good one for the Republicans. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the show. That doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, yeah, it like, was. hey, it was fine. Because yes. I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. It's Alex Shore with the passing scene here on WSBA. And Alex, um, 
when you look at some of the other things that are happening right now uh, in your segment this morning, let's talk a little bit about the economy. And are we are we going to have to have a recession here to kind of get everybody back on track? What's your take on all that? Well, if you were asked to the Federal Reserve, they would say yes. <laughs> yeah. And and part of that answer is, you know, when you're looking when you're looking at the Federal Reserve, all they deal with is the demand side. They don't have any control over the supply side. And unfortunately, much of the conditions that we're in right now are a result of supply side issues. And and I'll I'll name the three that that really stand out right now. And that is, first of all, the labor market. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that wages have not really caught up to what inflation is, the marketplace demands. And, And price will clear the market. But but, you know, keep in mind that we're basically today or, you know, this month celebrating the third year anniversary of COVID. Right. And COVID caused so many disruptions that we, we still have not restored that equilibrium. So number two is the supply chain. Our supply chains are still not totally restored. And third is, is the trend of deglobalization. Um, again, you know, you look at COVID and it taught us how vulnerable we were uh, to particularly China when it came to pharmaceuticals or uh, <laughs> staples, uh, so many um, or, uh, uh, microchips, mm-hmm. right. so many industries that uh, that that our multinationals are now looking for other sources, so we don't become dependent on on one country uh, for those things. And as a result, that's a big shakeup, and that that's a lot to work through an economy and. And unfortunately, the, the, the Fed seems hell-bent on, on fixing it uh, by the only means that they have, and that is raising interest rates. So it, it does appear that things could get uh, choppy as, as we get into the second half of 23. Well, and that whole idea of just raising interest rates and saying everybody's got to be miserable along the way here is not sitting well with a lot of people either. If you look at some of the polling and uh, some of the stuff that's out there that people are saying, wait a second, every, every time the Fed talks, we're getting more miserable and we're going to be miserable for a longer period of time. And that is not something that Americans want to hear right now, is it? It's not. And, and keep in mind, wages have gone up less than inflation. So it's hard to argue wages are causing inflation when they're going up less. And when you, when you step back for a second, historical wages typically go up 1% to 2% a year. So with inflation running hotter than that over the last three years, workers are falling way behind. So they're saying, why on earth do we need a recession when we're continuing to fall behind? And and that's and that's really the rub that we're all faced with right now. Exactly right. And it'd be interesting to see if anywhere along the line they start to change their tune. I don't know that they will because that's what the tried and true method has always been on curing inflation. But we'll wait and see. Hey, what the heck is going on with Elon Musk these days? You haven't talked much about him lately, and I know he's one of the guys you kind of keep an eye on from time to time. Yeah, you know I love watching Elon Musk. <laughs> you know, uh, he's, he's like the never-ending story. For one thing, he's, uh, he's, he's flip-flopping back and forth between the richest man in the world, right? and, and that's, all, that's all dependent on where Tesla stock is. So on, on any given day, he may or may not be the richest man in the world. Uh, he got himself into a little hot water with, a, uh, with what we think was a former employee who was, who was a disabled employee working out of Iceland and uh, had, to, had to retract on that. But uh, I think a, what, what, what a lot of Americans would call a piece of good news was 
two of the two of the journalists who broke the Twitter files, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, mm-hmm. were on the Hill this week and 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 really in the hot seat facing congressional testimony. But I think one of the things that they that you really have to appreciate about these two journalists and and journalists they are because they stood up for exactly what journalism should be, and that is getting the truth out there. And, and it, it was, it, you know, there were some fiery exchanges with some, some Democratic lawmakers. And, and, and I sat back scratching my head thinking, this is amazing that, that the Democrat Party and the, well, not the Democrat Party, it, 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 I, I can understand why they would be attacking them. But I sit back and say, why isn't the, the mainstream media, and, and I know I say this kind of <laughs> rhetorically, uh, why isn't the mainstream media defending true journalism? When did it become when did it become commonplace for the mainstream media to actually defend the government? And and I think one of the things that that Elon Musk has done, and it's and it's why I keep going back to this, is that he he it doesn't matter if it comes from the left or the right, but equal challenges need to be made to our elected officials and to our representation. And I think that's. I think that's incredibly important for our representative, uh, representative republic um, if, if we're going to continue for another 200-plus years. No, I agree with you, and I think the idea that the journalists seem to have to stand up for a side, what, what, no matter what side it is, is not what journalism is supposed to do. Uh, and yet that's kind of where we've come to here in the journalistic uh, chapter of the book uh, called The United States American History, and we'll see if uh, that changes or something forces it to change along the way. Alex, always good having you with us on a Friday morning. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful weekend, my friend. It's always a pleasure. You too, Gary. Thanks. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy-low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.